Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? Thanks so much for checking out the podcast here on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, uh, wherever you listen to Go Long with Dunn and Monas. We greatly appreciate it. Flying solo today for a first look at the conference championship games. Championship Sunday will be here before we know it. And a huge thank you to everybody who has read my story at golongtd.com, Sean McDermott surrenders again. Uh, tried to take a meticulous, detailed look at another playoff failure for the Buffalo Bills and a head coach who philosophically just doesn't seem to get it, frankly. Uh, the two fourth downs, we, we kind of got into it with Monas right after the game, uh, but yeah, try to explore those a little bit more and the defensive coverage, the plan, if there was one, against Cincinnati where Joe Burrow basically said, thank you very much with that seven yards of cushion on third and four. I'll just pitch and catch my way right down the field. Joe Mixon just harpooned the Bills right up the middle. Um, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, some very big decisions to make there. Uh, McDermott did say he believed. Edmonds had his best season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what that dollar amount is uh, for him on the open market. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of personnel stuff to get into with the Bills uh, this spring. Uh, yeah, I get it. You're you're not going to just stand there, sit there um, at a podium, and declare a Super Bowl window being being closed. But I, it sure does feel like the Bills are further away from the Super Bowl right now than they were this point last year, especially with some major decisions to make, uh, a lot of free agents. I mean, Devin Singletary as well at running back. This is a team that realistically could find a new starting running back, a new number two wide receiver, hell, maybe another tight end, get some two tight end sets going with Dawson Knox, uh, an offensive tackle. Defensively, what do you do, a linebacker? Uh, drafted all these D linemen, all these corners, and and – what is there to show for it but a absolute beatdown to the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals? Uh, 
I think what what's also pretty demoralizing for Buffalo is the fact, you know, you draft all of these defensive linemen, right, at the expense of loading up with weaponry for your quarterback, which is what Cincinnati, what, what a lot of these teams do. Um, 122 total dropbacks for Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, these last three playoff losses for the Bills. They were sacked four times. Um, so you go A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Gregory Rousseau, Ed Oliver, premium, premium draft capital with the intent to make life hell for the quarterback. And, I mean, you saw Joe Burrow before the game. It would, I don't know if you caught it. He had this warm-up throw where he kind of just chucked it and spun around at a 360 like he was showing off. And then you see Joe Burrow after the game talking about refunds. It was, it was almost like the guy didn't break a sweat. So, yes, frustration with the fan base is going to be high. I, I can't imagine what it's like internally when, in addition to this, you sign Von Miller to a six-year contract. I know he's got the out after three years, but he's going to turn 34 in March, and he t- tears his ACL late in the season. Uh, who knows when they get him back? Major concerns for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but you do have Josh Allen, and not many teams have a quarterback like Josh Allen. Maybe no team in NFL history has had a quarterback like Josh Allen. He was not good. He was not very good in this game. Uh, he struggled. Um, no rhythm, no flow. But I, I have a really hard time pointing the finger at Josh Allen. I, I mean, when you third and two rainbow that shot to Gabe Davis up the left sideline, and it's right in his hands. I get it. It's tomahawked out by, um, was it Cam Taylor Brett? Same time. It's, it's right there. Um, that, that's a play that could have got Buffalo back in the game. He, I, I don't think that the coaching reflects the reality of possessing a six, five, 247 pound freak show of a quarterback. Um, just the negative mindset of punting in those two situations where, Yes, it's fourth and 10 at the Cincinnati 41 and you're down 17-7 and you just want to pin the Bengals, get out of the half. That's, that's such a defeatist mindset. You, you don't look at that as a burden. Look at that as an opportunity. Look at that as a chance to say, hell no, we're not playing this game in your terms, Cincinnati. No, we're going to get 10 yards. We're going to score a touchdown. We're going to get the ball to start the second half. And then we have a lead and we have redictated the terms of this game. Now it's a shootout and you're chasing us. That's not what Sean McDermott did. He punted and then, I mean, pretty damning in my opinion that immediately Zach Taylor says, oh, we're at our own nine yard line with 40 seconds to go. Let's just see if we can get some points out of this. Let's go. And they had a shot at a Hail Mary. This is the same stuff. Same stuff. Fourth and two. At your own 20, you realistically think you're going to get two defensive stops in the fourth quarter when you haven't stopped Cincinnati all game long. That's 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 a bigger gamble than maybe not getting two yards at your own 20. The game's over right then. You're right. You're right, John McDermott. It's over. But but give me that over the slow torture of hunting and trying to get a defensive stop. When you have Josh Allen, I, I think it's just a slap in the face. To him, to your team, to say, I don't believe you can get two yards in this situation. I don't. And that's why the Bills are always in this spot. That's why when they're at Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game, 
to kick two chip shot field goals, to slice the deficit to 21 to 12 before the half against Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and Andy Reid in a Chiefs offense that was putting up 30, 40 points a game. Oh, second half, you, you, you knife the de- deficit to 24, 15. Then the, the Chiefs basically just laughed and just kept scoring touchdowns. So, um, this is what we've seen. It's discouraging. It needs to change. You know, obviously you don't, you don't fire Sean McDermott. Not saying that he's, he's done so much good. He's won a lot of games. He ended the drought uh, off the field. What they did through the DeMar Hamlin situation was, I mean, it was an unprecedented situation. I, I, I don't know how many head coaches could handle that any better than Sean McDermott did. And then the players had only great things to say about him all year. You heard Isaiah McKenzie on that show. Um, Taiwan Jones and that two-parter we had, um, he, he said he's he seen Sean McDermott change over the years. That initially, this was uh, a coach who was maybe a little more militant, overly disciplined, and started to let guys be themselves. Oh, oh, that's great. We're talking about playoff game, season on the line, having the guts, having the conviction, being fearless. That hasn't changed. Um, and it's going to have to change. I mean, yeah, there's personnel decisions to be made until that element of the Buffalo Bills changes, they're not going to challenge Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Hell, they might not not challenge Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson with their building in Jacksonville. I mean, here's a coach calling the Philly special in the damn Super Bowl who's calling Travis Etienne to run wide when everybody's expecting, you know, something up the the middle in one of the greatest comebacks of NFL history. Um, Mike McDaniel to a tongue of Viola, year two in that system. New York Jets, one of the best rosters in the NFL. What happens when they get a quarterback? So, yes, the Super Bowl window is closing. You just you just don't want your head coach to have his hands on that window manually closing it. All right, that's enough of the Bills, though. Uh, thank you for reading. And most of all, I, I thank our readers, I thank our listeners for having an open mind, being critical. Um, I think that's unbelievably admirable. Yeah, the Bills have been bad for a really long time. And now the Bills are really good. But when you're really good... Urgency should heighten. Expectations should heighten. That that thirst, that hunger for a Super Bowl trophy should be at an all-time high because the, it's real now with the Bills. And so I, I commend uh, the fan base for feeling, for feeling that way. I mean, you, you're the ones filling the stadium. Let's not forget that. You know, the NFL, they might want to try to make every game a neutral site uh, game in L.A. I think if that was the NFL's... You know, if the, if the NFL really got what it wanted, if Roger Goodell and the owners got what they wanted, hell, just have all the games in New York City, have all the games in Los Angeles, and just make as much money as you can now. The real NFL is right here in Orchard Park, New York, all of Western New York. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. These are real markets, organic markets. Fans pouring their hard-earned money into your product, supporting your product. So they deserve answers. They, 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 their anger should be heard. Their, their concern should be heard with everything. So, um, thank you for reading, uh, for your thoughts. You disagree. Great. Let me know. That's, that's what makes America beautiful. Uh, and just, just keep the comments coming, keep the emails coming. And, and thanks for sharing our story. Um, it's only for a paid subscriber. So if you haven't checked it out, if you're on the free list or just kind of dipping into go along to once in a while, uh, you can upgrade to read that story. All right, on to Championship Sunday, the matchups. Let's start in the NFC. 
Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers. Um, it was always supposed to be this way in the NFC. I, I think that these were clearly the two best teams. You know I love those Minnesota Vikings making life fun in the fourth quarter and winning all these crazy games. They they had they had a chance. They had maybe the best non-quarterback in the game and something cooking in those fourth quarters, but I think we all can agree it was fairly obvious. The Eagles and the 49ers uh, have been the best teams. They've got the best rosters. They're both relatively loaded. I mean, man, good luck finding a weakness offensively, defensively with, with both of these teams. It looks like uh, Philadelphia opened as a two-point favorite. That makes sense at home. Um, gut, gut feeling. All right, let's start. Let's start with San Francisco. You know, the big question is, is Brock Purdy, you know, 2022, Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, this is his first time in the playoffs. Obviously everything's kind of been a first for Brock Purdy, but I think what's interesting is, you know, here's somebody who he played in a lot of big games. He was at Iowa state, you know, he's been in the conference championship game. He's, he's played in loud. It's not like this is just, um, some random quarterback plucked from the tree. I mean, he's played in a hell of a lot more big games than the quarterback. They traded multiple first round picks for in, in Trey Lance. So I, I don't think he's, you know, the first half against Seattle was a little shaky. But after that, he hasn't really seemed wide eyed. He hasn't really seemed uh, overwhelmed by the stage. He He's doing exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do. And that's distribute the ball to all of these playmakers, get it out to them quickly. You know, I think that what's, what's interesting is if you were to break the field down into, into thirds, he's, he's so accurate and deliberate and decisive over that, over the middle, that, that middle third. And and when Jimmy Garoppolo has something good working, that's, that's kind of where he was best too. With, with Brock Purdy, it's, it's just as good if not, better at times with just hitting guys in stride on big time third downs. You know, the numbers aren't going to blow you away. 19 to 29 for 214 yards against Dallas. Um, but he, he made the throws he had to make late. They scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, they, they get that win. Christian McCaffrey does, does his thing. He scores a touchdown. Um, Elijah Mitchell, if he just gets out of bounds there, it's not, you know, it's not even stressful there at the end, but um, they've got playmakers. They, they they've got Debo Samuel. They've got George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, d- defensively, I mean, they're they're obviously loaded there as well. Uh, Dak Prescott was always Dallas's best shot to really threaten in the NFC playoffs. But we we've seen the boomer bust when he's facing zone. There can be there can be some some big time throws, some touchdowns, but that's typically when he throws a lot of picks and. Uh, he wasn't that great. 14 incomplete passes, only 206 yards, two picks. He only hit four times, but just no no really rhythm, no flow. Just that that's a, that's a credit to the San Francisco defense and uh to the shock of us all that that brainy um just next level play design that we saw there at the end of the game didn't didn't pan out for the Dallas Cowboys and Kellen Moore and Mike Malarkey and Mike Malarkey, Mike McCarthy. Um, 
would love love a 30 for 30 on on that play you know it's funny like we we read so many stories about the philly special and there was documentaries and you know press taylor who's you know now the oc with jacksonville he's a grunt with the Eagles and he saw it at one point and put it in. We get this awesome backstory on this iconic moment. I think it's only fair that we get the iconic, you know, backstories on these other moments. Let's get the full story on how, whatever you want to call that play was at the end of Dallas, San Francisco came to be, I think, I think it's only right. So I like San Francisco. They're tough. Um, you know what's a good topic? If they get to the Super Bowl, I'm going to ask guys about this down there in Phoenix. Again and again, you just hear how their practices in San Francisco are different. For better or worse, it's not for everybody. Not all guys like, you know, physical contact in practice settings with that kind of regularity. But the 49ers hit, hit often, even even through the spring, even through the summer. You can see the logic behind it with Kyle Shanahan, you know, the son of Mike Shanahan in conditioning the body for contact. And it shows in the games where they pound for pound are just tougher than their opponent across the line at the skill positions. You can, you can put Debo Samuel in a running back and he, he runs you over on third down like he did at Lambeau field a year ago. Same time. They've had a lot of injuries, right? It comes with a cost. It's uh it's definitely cost them at times and they've lost some of their best players for several weeks on end. So I think that's a, that's an interesting balance, but they're healthy about as healthy as it could be. Um, it's funny. Jimmy Garoppolo could actually be ready for the NFC championship game. Uh, they're not going to play him now with, with Purdy and him winning every week, but uh, they, they get him back. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Philadelphia in this game though. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty clear why. I mean, Jalen hurts, isn't lined up against Brock Purdy, but you just can see Jalen Hurts making the plays in this game that Purdy can't. If 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 Purdy is just behind by a score or two and has to climb out of a hole, I have a hard time seeing that happen. I I, I just do. And even though Hurts is banged up with the shoulder, the right shoulder sprain that he suffered what about a month ago, a little over a month ago. And it's it's affecting him. He's not going to just run 20 times and, and be that kind of a threat. He proved in the blowout win over the New York Giants, my God, just an absolute obliteration um, there in Philly last weekend. He he proved he's still Jalen Hurts. I mean, he can still throw. I mean, he checked a lot of boxes. I, I think that between Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, uh, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, they, they've got a supporting cast that can rival San Francisco. And, you know, how do you, how do you block everybody on that Philly defense? I, I think that's tough. Even if you're San Francisco and your line is, you know, solid. Um, I'm not sure how anybody can realistically match up with everything that Philadelphia throws at you on the defensive line. Um, Hassan Reddick has, has been a, a revelation. I mean, he's been good the last couple of years, but my God, this next level, 16 sacks. Hargrave, 11 sacks. Brandon Graham still playing at 34, 11 sacks. Josh Sweat. Got to know Josh Sweat uh, back in my Bleach Report days for a story out of Florida State. Just unreal story. He, he thought he was going to lose his leg at one point in high school. 
long, long recovery. Uh, Philadelphia took him, knew it would take some time for him to become himself. He's got 11 sacks this year. He's got 23 quarterback hits this year. So they they have a lot of players that they can throw at you on the D-line. Um, not to mention, well, they, they picked up like Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue uh, middle of the season. It's just, just unfair how much talent they have. So, you know, here, here are the Bills. The Bills, hey, they were, they've been drafting D linemen. They acquired Von Miller. They're, they're trying to think in these terms, like, like Philly is, where we have seven, eight guys and we just kind of roll them through. Um, they, they're unable to get to the quarterback when it matters. Philadelphia has been able, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think that they're going to force Brock Purdy into a mistake that he hasn't quite made yet in his young career, and Philadelphia wins this game. Okay, so AFC, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, it starts there. I I think, you know, if you don't have a dog in the fight, if you're just a football fan and you saw that gruesome collision against Jacksonville where he just gets just all knotted up like a pretzel, it's like, oh, my God, come on. No, nobody wants to see the best player in the sport out. And that's the NFL's worst nightmare. They don't want backup quarterbacks playing for conference championship games. And Patrick Mahomes, he's he's tough as hell, man. He um whatever happened at halftime, happened at halftime. You gotta think some injections, you know, some pain medicine. Imagine Toradol will be entering the equation ahead of this conference championship game. There'll be a lot put into the body of one Patrick Mahomes to make that pain go away in the high ankle sprain. Now if he was a wide receiver, a running back, cornerback, you know, if he was somebody who kind of had to cut and move and redirect, that this high ankle sprain would would be a, you know, a season ender, right? I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Michael Thomas, we've seen we've seen these other players uh, have to just kind of shut it down. Uh, at the same time, it is something you can play through, especially if you're a quarterback and you're going to be a little more confined. And you're not going to be moving around as much. We, you know, Peyton Manning comes to mind. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, they they've played through this. Now you're not the same guy. You're not the same quarterback. And what makes Patrick Mahomes special? It's that second reaction. It's you know he gets pressure in his face. He scrambles, and then the play begins. Right. A lot of times that's that's when the play ends. Kibosh. It's over. Patrick Mahomes. That's that's when it's starting. That's when him and Travis Kelsey start treating this like a game of basketball and they get creative and they just find spaces on the field that only those two can see that, that that's where this is going to hurt Kansas city. I think um, it Mahomes still put up good numbers, right? I think he almost had like 200 yards in the second half and they, they won. He, he, he can still operate from the pocket, but he's at his best. I should say, you know what? He's most comfortable when he's on the move, getting flushed out, the that crazy flick to Jerk McKinnon earlier this season, right? Where he just kind of pushes it with his hand uh, when he gets outside of the pocket. It was you know one of the best highlights of this NFL season. I mean, Kurt, Kurt Warner, when we talked, he said, "Look, look on the backside, post corner player wide open. He just didn't see it." So I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to be a little more disciplined and see. What's out there? I mean, there's going to be you. You've got talent. You've got the best tight end, receiving tight end in the game. 
George Kittle might take the overall crown still. You've got Marquez Valdez Scanlon. You got Kadarius Tony. Um, you've got a lot of different weapons out on the field that are going to find a way to get open. So just trust it. Stay in the pocket. Be disciplined. You know, it's maybe it's not a perfect comparison, but this we have some Packer fans listening out there. It reminds me a lot of Brett Favre. And he played through so many injuries, including high ankle sprains. I, be, I believe that's what he had in 1995 against the Chicago Bears late in the season, his first MVP season, just brutal ankle, ankle injury all week. I remember talking to Ty Detmer about this. Nobody thought he was going to play. I mean, it's like the size of a basketball. It's, it's, that's not even exaggerating that much. It was huge. He numbs it up. He plays. And I'm going to pull up his numbers because this, this game is, it's one of those Favre games that kind of gets lost in history. That really shouldn't. I mean, this is one of those legendary moments for him and, and, and a streak, a record that will never be broken. His consecutive, his consecutive start. So yeah. 1995. Chicago Bears. This was a big game in the NFC Central. Uh, they, they were. Five and four going into the game. The Bears were six and three. So they, they had to have it. You know, Green Bay had been knocking on the on the door a little bit, you know, making the playoffs a couple of years, but still pretty inconsistent. Well, Favre's having an MP, MVP season. He plays when nobody expects him to play. 25 of 33 for 336 yards, five touchdowns. Um, And I, I remember talking to players who were on that Packers team, and they they made a great point. Maybe, maybe it was even Steve Mariucci too, but whenever Favre had – one of these severe serious injuries and he played through it. It was almost like it forced him to be disciplined. It forced him to lock in and read the field and calmed him down. And he can't really run around and do all of the foolish outlandish, you know, crazy far things that were, were fun to watch and could, could lead to, you know, a highlight reel touchdown, but it could also lead to a pick six at the end of the fourth quarter. He, he, just that element of his game was eliminated. He didn't have it. So he had to just stand in the pocket, make the tough throws from, from that spot and trust the X's and O's trust what Andy Reid's calling. So if you're going to spin, spin zone it for the Kansas city chiefs, maybe that's what you get in Patrick Mahomes, right? Maybe this does kind of force him to win behind a really good offensive line. This is not the offensive line that had Mahomes running for his life against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. They they completely rehauled it. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case because I just, I feel like, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals defense is probably a little bit better than that 1995 Bears defense. Um, this is a, a D line that can get after you without blitzing, but with everything that Anarimo is doing on the back end, with the disguises, it's brilliant. He can show a blitz, make it clear this guy's coming in hot off this edge. And then the timing is just perfect. You saw it against Josh Allen and the Bills at the last split second. That corner retreats. And the opposite corner is hiding his blitz so well, and he's coming in hot. Mike Hilton, best slot corner in the game. Um, he just he just wrecked plays. Um, tough, 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 tough as they get. I think he's going to be a problem for Patrick Mahomes. They're really going to stress him. They're they're going to force him to move, and then they will hit him when they have the opportunity. So, I 
I like Cincinnati's defense against Mahomes. I, I mean, Mahomes will get his, he'll have his moments, but th- this is just a a defense that is unafraid. The one defense in the NFL that can really turn any quarterback into mush. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Up until that last drive, they had Matthew Stafford dead to rights. I mean, that Rams offense was not able to do much of anything. Um, and then, obviously, they got burned on the last drive. So maybe that maybe that 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 point is moot. But I tell you what, Cincinnati hasn't forgotten. Um, they've been dying to get back to that Super Bowl moment. They kind of own the Chiefs. I mean, three wins in a row, all by three points each. There, there could be something psychological there. And if you're Kansas City, defensively, what's what's the play here? Because, yeah, go ahead and, and stay back in a two-deep shell. That's probably what you have to do against Jamar Chase because we've seen Jamar Chase just kill this defense, kill this team. I mean, that first game especially. I uh, remember both games last year were comeback wins for the Bengals, um, big-time comeback wins. You go single high, Burrow's going to see it. You know, the one time you do it, he's smart enough to recognize it. Oh, you have one safety back there. Oh, I can just kind of look this direction, split second, then come back to Jamar Chase deep. That's a, it's, it's almost an automatic touchdown. So you kind of go single high at your own peril. They play in the two deep look. Well, I think Cincinnati will just say, be our guys. We're just going to hand the ball to Joe Mixon. And he was able to run the ball at will against the Buffalo Bills. 20 carries for 105 yards. His longest run was only 16 yards. I mean, it was it was just an automatic five, six, seven yards. And then Samaji Pirine was, was decent as well. He added 33 yards. Burrow ran a little bit. They had 172 yards as a team. So they're, 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 they're fine. Hey, you want to play that? You want to be soft up front? will run. Even Joe Burrow's fine with it throwing. Uh, hell, he had, what, I think just two completions of 20 yards or more um, in going 23-36 for, for 242 and two touchdowns. It's like you look at that stat line and you wouldn't be blown away, but you watch the game and they got whatever they wanted whenever they wanted it. It was a completing, I mean, Joe Burrow completed passes to seven different receivers before the first quarter was even over, over. So he's going to see who's open. He can, it's, it's a, he has eyes all around his head. I mean, he can kind of scan the whole field, take that screenshot in his mind and find the right player, whether it's Jamar Chase, whether it's T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Trenton Irwin, right? Hayden Hurst had a hell of a game at tight end. So, I mean, he's done it against the Chiefs. We've seen it. They're not going to be afraid. The mystique of Arrowhead in an AFC championship game. I mean, they're they're going to be uh, liquored up as they should. They're going to be ready for this one. I just don't – I just can't see Cincinnati offensively having any problems in this game. I can see Kansas City having some problems with Mahomes' high ankle sprain. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a great game. I mean, these championship games it, between two really good quarterbacks, two of the best quarterbacks, I'm sorry – they always come down to the end. That's just how it works. So we'll probably get, get into the fourth quarter, and I would expect <clears throat> I would expect Cincinnati uh, to make a few more plays because they're going to be patient. 
and they're going to find your weakness. You can't, you just can't cover and you can't be that disciplined in the secondary that long, even with all those players back there, because right. You can't bring pressure. You bring pressure game over. That's that, that's a poison pill. So he's going to have time and he's going to find who he's looking for. And all the concerns, concerns we had about their offensive line, I, I guess were unfounded because uh, three starters out, no problem against Buffalo. We'll say this. You know, we shouldn't overlook the fact that Kansas City may have the best defensive player in football. Nick Bosa will probably win defensive player of the year. He's outstanding. Chris Jones. My God, just isolate on 95 if you have the chance on Sunday. He is unbelievable. Um, What he can do at that position, I, I would take Chris Jones over Aaron Donald right now. I mean, he's playing better. He's bigger, plays to run better, and he gets pressure on the quarterback. So... Uh, yeah, Chris Jones has, has been one of the best players for a while, but this year especially, 15 and a half sacks, 29 quarterback hits, first team all pro. Uh, he is a monster. And it's good to see him get the recognition that he absolutely deserves with his game. So you're going to have to double him. You're going to have to give extra attention to him. Uh, that That's going to be, you know, he is the one player that could change things in this game. I, I just feel like Burrow always has an answer um, for a player like that, and he'll be able to kind of shimmy around and, and make the throws when he has to. So there you have it. It's going to be Cincinnati against Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. Bet the house. Actually, don't bet the house. Monus isn't here, so I can I can hate on gambling. Don't gamble. It's awful. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks for reading. Um, I'm actually going to be driving to Cincinnati uh, tonight. I'm recording on Tuesday morning here. I'm going to head down there and spend some time with the Bengals. Uh, We'll have a story on that team. Don't want to give too much away, but you can check it out uh, Friday morning, I believe. Bob McGinn is back with another McGinn Files. They have been outstanding. These are for our subscribers. Peyton Manning, the story he had uh, two weeks ago on the rise of Manning and the decision between Manning and Ryan Leaf. He talked to Bill Polian. He talked to personnel people on all sides of the equation, San Diego Chargers, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, some some funny stories in there about going to these workouts for Leaf. In fact, we should get Leaf on the podcast to talk about it because he's so honest. He's got a great podcast himself. Bust. Check it out. He's up front and, and, and even says himself, hell, I don't know why these teams didn't do their homework. They would have saw how lazy I was back at Washington State. Uh, but Bob's story <clears throat> has a lot more detail into that decision. So that's already up. That's on the site. Subscribers can check that out. Coming up soon, Barry Sanders. That's right. Barry Sanders the single most entertaining player of my lifetime, NFL history, maybe. Uh, he's going to have a a huge Barry Sanders takeout story on how um, that selection came to be for the Detroit Lions. Remember, that was also when the Packers took Tony Mandrich, um, a, a historic draft in its own right. Um, and there'll be a sidebar story with that as well in terms of how Barry Sanders faced or uh, how, how he fared against the Green Bay Packers and a lot of ups and downs. And they, they had some battles throughout the 90s. So a lot of, hey, why not? Let's have a lot of Barry Sanders covers this week as well. Thank you so much for your support. Be sure to email me if you have any questions about anything, anytime. Go long, td at gmail.com. Share the site with a friend. That's how we keep this thing growing. No advertisers, uh, no corporations. This is all about you, you Keep go along moving. So thank you very much. And we'll be back with Jim Onis very soon, I'm sure. Thanks for putting up with me. Have a good one, everyone.